0: Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast channel that puts members on mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Featured in this session, Whole Person Wellness, is Laura Morris, Managing Principal for Perkins and Will. You know, about 20 years ago, um, we started learning about LEED, and LEED, um, you know, is more about sustainability and looking at reducing carbon footprint, um, and over time, as it became more adopted and pe- people became more aware of the, the strategies, um, you know, it became a lot more mainstream. But if you think back about five years, um, we started to hear a lot more about wellness and health and wellness in the workplace, and, you know, sitting is the new smoking, um, so, you know, we started looking at all the research and the media and, and, you know, what you're hearing about wellness. So what I want to talk about today is the importance of wellness and some of the core needs of whole person wellness. We'll touch very lightly on some of the, the rating scales that encourage wellness, um, as well as looking at how do you build a culture of wellness in the workplace. So whole person wellness is really a holistic way of assessing um, an occupant's health that addresses the physical, the mental, the spiritual, and the emotional components that helps to maximize human potential. Wellness is very much about maximizing uh, fulfillment and productivity. Uh, and right now, you know, we spend an estimated $153 billion a year and through loss, reduction of uh, reduced productivity due to chronic illness. In the late 19th and early 19th or early 20th centuries, um, infectious disease was was a huge problem. And if you look at um, architects and urban reformers, specifically this study that was done for New York City. At that time, um, they were really able to uh, um, affect a uh, reduction of infectious diseases like things like cholera, tuberculosis, by doing improvements to buildings, uh, street structures, uh, neighborhoods, clean water and parks. But as we look to the 21st century, chronic disease is really the biggest biggest public health epidemic that we're facing today. Today's physical inactivity and unhealthy diets are really second only to none to tobacco and the main cause to premature death. So we have issues with heart disease, memory loss, stroke, cancer, obesity, and diabetes, which are all chronic disease, uh, chronic diseases are being affected by that. So um, you know, there's a lot of evidence and research that's being done that talks about um, architectural and urban design strategies that can increase help to increase activity and promote healthier eating habits. So regular physical activity can really keep your thinking, learning, and judgment skills sharp as you start to get older. Um, it also helps reduce the risk of depression and it can help you sleep better. And as you look at this slide, um, you can see the darkest blue is where we have some of the least, uh, least Active people in the U.S. Um, there are a lot of studies that talk about um, physical activity. So if you do um, a combination of aerobic activities and some strength training, about three to five times a week, maybe thirty to sixty minutes a day, it can drastically improve your, um, improve your mental health. And there are still studies that say even you know even less than that can can really have a dramatic uh, impact on your mental health. And literally, you know, we we all heard sitting is a new smoking. Sitting is literally killing us. Um, a study published by the American Journal of Epidemiology by the American Cancer Society in 2010 found that um, if an employee is sitting more than six hours a day, they are 90% more likely to die premature death than an active coworker. And the part of it that was really um, disturbing to me was, additionally, they found that. The amount of exercise and activity um, before or after work really had no effect to the harm that the body goes through with sitting for six hours a day. So, you know, that leads us to think, you know, everybody hears a lot about choice in the workplace and being able to get up and go around and, of course, that sand desks and treadmill desks have become more prevalent. So I think we really need to think about that, you know, how much how active we are within the workplace and how much we're moving around. So we know from our work life that we often feel exhausted. I'm sure a lot of you, especially after going to a conference like this, feel this way. Um, but you know, 59% of workers report feeling physically exhausted and emotionally drained from work, um, and they feel a lack of meaning and purpose in their lives. Um, I mean, I feel like we just we all feel like we're overworked. So why are these statistics so important? Well, it's the people. Um, I mean, people are our biggest investment in the workplace. So you know. We've we really kind of tackled the idea of healthier buildings, but we haven't really addressed the idea of healthier people and employees within the buildings. We really need to connect those two because salary and benefits are um, approximately 90% of an organization's financial investment and uh, far more than the operating costs of a building. So why aren't we investing more in you know, having healthier um, behaviors and policies within the workplace? Um, and, you know, wellness and wellness policies are also a way that we could really show employees that, that they're valued. And right now, I mean, you know, health and wellness, everybody wears FitBits. It's, you know, it's it's totally on the rise. It's one of the biggest industries. And employees are also becoming much more aware. I, I have a lot of clients right now where the employees are saying, hey, I really want a sit-stand desk, even if it's, you know, the Vera desk that you put on the desk. You know, I just, I want something um so employees are asking for this they're becoming much more knowledgeable and aware. And why this is so important if you really think about it, I mean as human beings we are spending ninety percent of the day inside I mean inside if you think about you know ancestors they they lived outside we didn't really live in buildings um, but now we're spending ninety percent of our day inside and over 30 percent of that time is really spent at the workplace. so then why isn't the workplace a better and healthier place to be. Um, the World Health Organization states that uh, 20% of an individual's health, stat- uh, health status is a direct result of the quality of their environment. And healthy spaces should really be adaptable and offer choice. Um, there's a study that shown uh, showed a lot of people who were um, used uh, sit-stand desks for a period of four weeks. And the results of that study reported, they reported feeling more comfortable, energized, healthier, happier, less stressed, and more focused on productivity. So adaptability is really critical in creating a healthy work environment. And, you know, there are a lot of strategies and things that we can do for that. So some of the healthy um, design strategies that, you know, we talk about a lot today. I'm sure a lot of you have heard about active design. I mean, we're trying to build... You know, uh, monumental stairs that connect floors and make it more attractive to use the stairs instead of the elevator. Um, Where we talk a lot about material health, so we really need to think about what are the materials that we have around us, um, and you know, that go into the furniture and the fabrics, um, as well as the building materials. Um, access to daylight and views. I mean, I I still have clients in Washington D.C. that say, well, we want perimeter offices, but they are really much more open to having whole glass fronts, so you can get. You know, light all the way in, but even strategies like this, where you put your community cafe on the window, just something to allow people to have choice and have more access to daylight and views. Um, also, access to healthier food options and snacks, water quality, acoustic comfort, as well as environmental control. So, what is the return on investment? Um, I mean the, the built environment has a huge impact on our health and well-being and happiness and this ultimately also, um, uh, also affects our productivity. So when we really invest in people and the, and the um, protocols and the behaviors that we have within the workplace, you can increase productivity, lower the healthcare costs, reduce absenteeism and really increase engagement. So um, there's an article that this is based on where they were able to look at um, uh, several different strategies and come up with a methodology to blend it and determine that with um, healthier strategies like this and wellness programs, you can increase productivity by about 5%. And some of these are some of the ones we talked about, the active design and improved, uh, improved acoustic comfort and access to daylight. So what are the rating systems that really help to encourage this? Um, some of these you're familiar with, some you may not be. Um, mo- many of these are really based on sustainability, and they're more similar to LEED, which I think most people, you know, is pretty mainstream now. Um, Living Building Challenge, Green Globes, um, Envision is more about infrastructure sustainability. Uh, Rely is more about resiliency. But let's talk a little bit about LEED Well and Fit Well, because I, I know there are a lot of things at this conference that are. there's already been um, a session on Fit Well. Um, LEED has been done to death over the years of this conference. Um, You know, people are talking about WELL. So, you know, how do those three compare? So taking just a moment to kind of look at this high level, and I do have a takeaway for anybody who wants it afterwards, and this is a lot more detail on the side-by-side comparison of these, and I'm just going to touch on some high high points. Um, But basically, for LEED, we're currently in version 4. It was launched in 1998 by the U.S. Green Building Council. So its main focus is really about reduction of resources, reducing your carbon footprint, It's very focused on building, so you know, having the green building, um, strategies around the building. Um, whereas WELL, which was launched in 2013 by Delos, um, it is really looks at a more holistic approach. So all, of, all three of these actually have overlapping strategies, so there are a lot of the environmental and sustainable components that really support and affect the well and fit well. But the well and the fit well are much more about the occupant health, whereas the lead is about sustainability. So when you think about well, it's very much looking not only at the physical, but at the mental, emotional, and the spiritual components. Um, whereas fit well is is similar, but it's much more about um, increased activity and nutrition. And fit well was launched in 2016. It's relatively new, but it's gaining huge amount of traction because it's simple, it's less expensive. And it has some great results and you can also do it portfolio-wide. FitWell was um, developed by the Center for Disease Control and the GSA with a lot of partners um, that helped to contribute to that. Uh, The documentation differentiation. Um, So those of you who have had you know worked uh, on a LEAD project you know that LEAD has a huge amount of documentation. It can be very expensive Um, And what that means is you usually have to have a lead AP to do the documentation. Um, About 50% of that is either the the architect or your outside consultant that is doing most of the documentation, and then uh, 25% with the the consultants and about 25% from a GC. Whereas WELL, I would say that's a little more medium documentation. And the interesting thing there is with WELL, about 40% of it is the owner, another 40% is the architect or the consultant and usually you want to have a well AP for that and getting your, your well AP is similar to an exam that you have for the lead AP um, and then another 20% is consultants and then FitWell is the least amount of documentation and it's online and it's very simple um, and they have a lot more flexibility and the, the great thing about um, fit well is that you can uh, the owner can do it 100% themselves um, It's it's pretty easy to become a lead, uh, or sorry, a Fitwell ambassador. Um, In fact, in our office, it's also great because you can go back to buildings that have already, you know, in existence, and you can check them. And so it allows you to, um, you know, look and be accountable and think of, you know, what are the strategies could I do to improve if I'm making any adjustments to my current situation or my current building. Um, But, for instance, in our office, our office manager wanted to do the documentation, and so... became a fitwell ambassador and and he's done all of our documentation so that's really great and then when you think about the cost because you know a lot of people have stopped wanting to get lead certified just because it really is a huge cost for the documentation and some of the extra things that you have to do during construction Um, and right now with version four uh, the cost for registration is usually between about two and five thousand dollars and then the cost for actual um, um, loading and documentation so if you're paying the architect or an outside consultant can be anywhere from about forty-five thousand to about ninety-five 000 or a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it, it can be up there, and that's a combination of the consultants and the architecture component. Um, whereas well, well is um, well is a sliding scale. So you can go onto the website and you can, they have a cost calculator that helps you understand what the registration fee will be. But the minimum is really about ten thousand dollars, and that would be for a small project. And then um, we've only done a couple of WELL projects thus far, so we're still gathering data, but we're finding that, it, that the documentation cost is, a, is comparable to, to LEED. Um, on the other hand, you've got FitWell, and I'm not trying to sell FitWell, but it is, you know, an easier, more streamlined, less expensive. Um, FitWell, the, the registration is about $500, and the documentation upload cost is about $6,000. So you're talking about $6,500 to do that. So, you know, it's, it's a great alternative to help you Kind of get started with that and um, start to build some sustainable strategies so coming kind of back around to this idea of whole person wellness when we think about the, the components that um are you know really make up a whole a whole human uh centric being you, you want to think about the physical which is really the health so that's the physical activity the nutrition um vitality occupant safety and comfort and when we think about emotional that's that's more happiness so you know, we want people to be engaged, we want to reduce stress, um, we want them to have personal fulfillment, we want them to feel valued, and we want them to be in a good mood, right? Um, with mental focus, uh, well, mental is really more about the focus. So, you know, people are more productive if they can have time to focus, so that's about productivity, um, accuracy, precision, cognitive function, and choice. And the last one, spiritual, is more about purpose. Uh, so that's looking at the social responsibility and people feeling that they have meaning or purpose in what they're doing. So sense of community, organizational culture, equity, and diversity. But to achieve this culture of wellness, you know, you can start to think about how do we how do we really launch a culture of wellness within our workplace, or our work environment? It's not you can't rely on the design strategies. You have to you know really have you know a trifecta combination of behavior, operations, as well as design. So right now, about 49% of US-based companies say that health and productivity programs are essential to their, their um, company's strategy. And in by 2020, um, this, there are studies that say we can expect um, almost 99% of employers to be offering some sort of health improvement and wellness programs. So it's definitely on the rise. It's something we need to be thinking about. But, you know, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It doesn't have to be that difficult. So these are just, like, I'm going to touch on six really quick strategies that you could implement today within your your company, and there's so many more that you could do. Um, One that, you know, deals with, like, the physical would be um, start an activity incentive program within the workplace. Stress reduction, provide a designated quiet space. So you know how they have the quiet car on the the train. I mean, why not have a quiet space within the office where people can go and focus, no phones, that nobody's going to talk to them. Maybe that would keep them from working from home and want them to come in the office if they had a quiet place to go. Um, Mental, develop healthy travel policies. So uh, maybe no red-eye flights home from the West Coast, and I'm going back to the East Coast, but I'm not taking red-eye tonight. Um, or, you know, policies like uh, maybe no, no uh, company email between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m., something like that. Um, a couple of others for engagement. You know, these are super simple. Adopt a regular cleaning schedule for refrigerators. For nutrition, provide healthy snacks, fresh fruit, and vegetables to employees. We've just done this in our office last year. We got rid of all the sodas that we had for clients, and we switched to, you know, the multi-flavored sparkling waters, which have been hugely successful. And we, um, we buy in bulk healthy snacks, dried fruits, and, and other things. And it's, it's been a great success within our office. And it really shows the employees that we value health and, and their health. And then the last one, emotional. So you know, the more people understand things, um, the more they're apt to adopt them. And that's also part of the change management process. Um, so pro- promoting healthy literacy and awareness by providing a library of health-oriented resources. But to be able to really accomplish this and have it to be successful, you have to think about change management. Um, design solutions can't change culture without the support of leadership and changes to operational protocols. So employees really have to understand you know, that you value them and you know, this is important and you value their health. And why, you know, why are you um, putting the protocols in place and how is it going to change the, the office and how is it going to benefit them? So as you start to think about building a culture of wellness within your workplace, be thoughtful. Select um, health impact categories that really benefit your employees and then align with office culture because they've got to be things that are right for you. That's it, let's get well together. Thank you. This concludes the Cornet Global Podcast on Whole Person Wellness. Want to record a What's Next podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit CornetGlobal.org to learn more.